From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red platoon and the cat. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. I think we should start yeah, with EastEnders music say. today, shouldn't we? <laughs> oh, really? Really? Right <laughs> from the off. Not even, not even a good morning, Ted. How are doom, you feeling doom, about doom, things? So Beal's in. Beal's in. What's your thoughts, yep. Ted, after yesterday's rant? Mr. Beal. Mr. Well, Beal. I mean, we're, we're going to hear from a, a QPR fan later on in the show, but uh, and I'm, I'm sure Wayne will have plenty to say about Beal, but. The fact of the matter is he's in now um, and we've got to get behind him and, and it's as simple as that but it's not going to change the, the, the board's mind they obviously you know they'll have seen I'm, I'm no doubt they'll have seen social media over the last few days and know that it wasn't the appointment that people were really wanting um, but then again neither was Alex Snail and neither was Tony Mowbray there was murmurs about them two being appointed as well um, so we've just got to get on with it, you know. It's, if if uh, if we get off to a winning start, oh jeez, really? Carry <laughs> <laughs> oh, on, Ted. What were you saying? Sorry. Honestly, I, 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 you could physically hear my eyes rolling there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want to let you down. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, you didn't. You didn't. No, it's yeah. I'm sure there will be plenty of drama due to the Beal appointment as well. Like, but yeah. Um, if he gets off to a win and start against Coventry, you know, you, you, you're a good percentage of the way there to starting to win people over. So course, let's get beating, behind him. Let's beating get... Coventry is almost as good as beating Newcastle for Sunderland as well. Well, it is. Yeah, absolutely. 100% mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, hey, not even joking I hate about Coventry, that. So, that's, yeah. that's Please get one. in. Well, that's yeah, good because that was one of the topics. That was one of the topics you, su- you suggested yes, yesterday. We never got to. Because, uh, <laughs> I, 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 was, I take note of these things that you do, Steve, and I, I've prepared a little bit on uh, on why Sunderland <laughs> hate Coventry because there's a lot of the younger fans out there yep. probably don't realise why. So yeah, yep. uh, have you got, got a, a team you hate? Have you got bogey teams? What's your bogey mm. teams? Mm. Have you got one right? Yeah, ooh, bogey team. I mean, it's Coventry in the past couple of seasons, hasn't it been? That um, I just think it's. I think it is. That's for sure. Because Coventry just seem to be. The ones that just whinge the most after yeah, we play them for yeah, some reason, yeah. and because we, we had them like like two in succession, three in succession last season, and then we had them like oh, at the start of this season as well. Coventry for us at the moment is a bit of a, and obviously Leeds as well. We have a bit of a, a, a yeah. an uncouth rivalry with Leeds as well. I think I, I think Leeds are my bogey team. I I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if that goes back from my childhood. I, I've just always hated Leeds, dirty Leeds. Mm, mm, uh, mm. So I've never had I had a, a bit of Luton. Bit of I had a bit of thing against Luton as well when Luton were in the championship. They were a bit. Their fans were, were just like rife. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. I remember when um, in their game last season when um, their striker, you know, when he when Stefan came out and he dove and then he gave Stefan the. Fr- oh, I still remember that day yeah, like yeah. it was yesterday, and I remember Luton being all like, nah, meh, 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 meh. that's exactly what Luton fans sound like, by the way. So. Um, but you know, actually, it's speaking of Luton as well. I do. We didn't mention it yesterday, lads, at all, because we were too busy with Ted's uh, breakdown for forty minutes. But we do have to do a big shout out to Lockyer <laughs> and his family because yeah. uh, Lockyer collapsed on the weekend again, lads. Now, last season, for those in the championship, obviously watching the championship final, you'll know that Tom Lockyer actually uh, collapsed during that playoff final in the one v Coventry. Um, that uh, he was rushed to hospital and couldn't finish off that. 
And now, less than 12 months later, lads, he has collapsed again where the Bournemouth game was called off. Now, shout out to his family. Shout out to everyone. You know, it was a, it was yeah. a crazy, crazy scene to see a Premier League game called off for that. And you never want to see that. But I, I just hope now that, you know, that Lockyer... Uh, I just hope that he gets the help that he needs. And I'm not sure if he'll ever return to football. Maybe that's nothing that there needs to be worried about right now. You know, it's just the health and, and, and safety of him and, and, you know, his people around him, I'm sure. But it's uh, it's a scary scene to see a player have that happen, lads, in uh, twice in, in under 12 months. Yeah, I watched it live in the playoffs. It was horrendous that yeah. day. And oh. um, to, hear, to hear the news at the weekend that it had happened again was 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 awful. So, yeah, let's hope he gets the treatment that, that he needs and, and can make a, a speedy recovery. But um, big mm. decisions, I guess, to be made on his behalf and mm. on uh, and on, mm. on in Towns. Just before we, we move on, the, the bogey side for Newcastle, you won't be surprised to hear is Manchester United, statistically. Yeah, because, really? Um, well, yeah, it is. I mean, in the Premier League, you know, I've mentioned the stat on the show before, but in the Premier League, of course, Newcastle have never finished above Manchester United. Premier League only. Mm. That doesn't include First mm. Division. But um, Manchester United have beaten Newcastle 84 times in League and Cup. <laughs> so that's that, that tells you they are our ultimate bogey team. When you think about it without looking at stats... I've always felt Wimbledon potentially were, were a bit of a bogey oh, team yeah. for us. We never really did well against mm. the crazy gang uh, era. And when I did a bit of research on it, the big one was, a big shot was Bournemouth. Um, we haven't played them a lot, but in terms of percentages, Bournemouth have got a 56% win rate over Newcastle. Um, wow. Only had nine clashes, but if you're looking at stats, that's you know that's another bit of a bogey team for us. You know, you've got to count the 1992 FA Cup penalty shootout in that. But it's yeah, um, yeah it's it's an interesting it's an interesting question. Uh, anybody out there who's uh, who's got a a bogey team that you think is 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 you know is, is the worst one for your club, then give us a shout on the WhatsApp number. Daz, have you got that to hand? Of course, it's all double three or or four three two thousand and two. You can get in touch with the show at any point this morning that's our WhatsApp so you can drop us a WhatsApp message you can drop us a voice note or you can even give us a call if you want to get through to speak to these fine gentlemen across the North East it's 033-043-2002 and tonight's the night it is Carrier Bag Cup tonight lads yes energy drink get in 7.45 kickoffs for Everton Fulham and Port Vale Borough Uh, Newcastle live on Sky tonight Eight o'clock kickoff for Newcastle United, uh, but yeah, we will have plenty to talk about with regards to that. Uh, obviously, press conferences uh, for uh, Newcastle yesterday with Eddie Howe uh, giving us a bit of an update on the injury situation and telling us what he feels about the Carabao Cup, uh, and we'll uh, obviously find out what Michael Carrick had to say about uh, Port Vale. Yeah. Um, I think you've got the easier draw tonight, Rai. I've got to be perfectly honest, and um, nah. you know, I'll be very surprised if you haven't progressed into the semis tonight, mate. <laughs> It is a big game. It is a big game. But Carrick was quick to bring that as well. Everyone was saying how Port Vale is probably the easiest draw. Obviously, the rest of the, you know, is all Premier League teams. But, you know, Port Vale, uh, Port Vale uh, uh, you know, are there for a reason as well. You know, they, they've, they've, you know, been doing very, very well in, in their own in right and their own cup run. And uh cheeky little tweet from Connor Ripley got me fired up yesterday as well. So, uh, yeah, no, it's going to be a very big game. And um, Carrick, I think, in his press conference was very quick to sort of just allude that his focus is just on this game, which I think is right. But uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for us. Obviously, we're not only battling Port Vale, but also having to overcome our injuries now. Uh, and the you know, obviously the quick turnaround the of schedule with, with, with that. Oh. So, but um, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I'm up for it. I'm up for it. It's going to be a really good, te- a really good test. I keep doing this. <laughs> it's going to be a really, a really good test tonight, and I'm very excited for it. Yeah. 
Don't know why. Right I, I, I wanted them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as always, I'm plenty to excited. talk about on the Northeast Football Breakfast Show, and surely there's going to be a few more rants to come from Ted. I think about this. Oh yeah. Put a brave face on. I think we can rely on that. <laughs> we always like to start with the uh, the news headlines, guys. So uh, Daz, over to you with the music. Yes, it will be. It's all it started well. Yes, it started yes. well, hasn't it? <laughs> yes. Oh, I love having you on. Daz. <laughs> open Chrome, Daz. Open Chrome, Daz. Daz open Chrome. <laughs> it's a classic. I got you. <laughs> Mackham's and Proud. Black Cat's News. A Bailey, good morning to you all Sunderland fans. Michael Beale <laughs> says he's excited and honoured to be the new head coach at Sunderland and was straight to work at the Academy of Light last night. Uh, his first game in charge coming up against Coventry City this Saturday. Beale has concluded a speedy return to football after his tenure ended at Rangers and has now signed a two and a half year contract until the summer of 2026 at the Academy of Light. While his Rangers stint was disappointing, Sunderland bosses have no doubt looked further back into Beale's career. He had a fine record of developing young players, having impressed Steven Gerrard with his work in Liverpool's academy, before going on to join the ex-England midfielders coaching team at Rangers and then Aston Villa. The reaction from fans is that Bale isn't the most popular appointment, mm. to say the least, but then again, neither was Alex Neil or Tony Mowbray initially, and they quickly got fans on side with performances and results. The feeling is that Bale must do the same. Hold on to your Christmas hat, Sunderland fans. A striker scored a goal last night. <laughs> Sunderland's under-21s rounded off 2023 with a 2-1 defeat to Arsenal despite a valiant performance at Eppleton Colliery Welfare in the Premier League 2. Nazari Rusin's diving header put the Black Cats ahead going into the break, but Kion Edwards' second-half brace handed the Gunners all three points. Timothy Pembele, Jay Matete and Aji Alessi all made competitive returns for Sunderland in the final fixture of the calendar year. And finally, the Sunderland Echo have reported that Aston Villa's World Cup winning keeper Emmy Martinez had a lot to say about Sunderland new boss Michael Bale, and all of it positive. Speaking about Bale and the time together at Aston Villa, Martinez said, It's the first time in 14 to 15 years of my career that the assistant coach does all the talking. He knows so much about football, it's just incredible, Martinez said. He does all the training sessions, he takes all the important meetings. When you're in any club, the manager does the talking and the assistant coach helps. But with Michael and Stevie G, we felt that they were both managers and they were both very much respected. And that's your Sunderland headlines. Magpies and Proud. Mags News. Good morning, Newcastle fans. Well, we are in the Carabao Cup quarter-final tonight at Stamford Bridge. Newcastle reached the point thanks to a 1-0 home win over Manchester City in the third round and a 3-0 success at Old Trafford in the fourth. If we're going to do it, we're going to have to do it the hard way. It's an 8 o'clock kick-off. It's live on Sky Sports and all 4,300 away season, uh, section tickets have now been sold. Should the scores be level at 90 minutes, the tie will be settled by a penalty shootout. There's no provision for extra time at this stage of the competition. This is the 11th time that Newcastle have made it to the last eight of the League Cup, but remember they've only triumphed twice both games on home territory. The semi-final draw will be staged at the Sky's coverage of the Liverpool versus West Ham tie on Wednesday night. Speaking yesterday, Eddie Howe confirmed that late decisions would be made regarding the involvement of Alexander Isak and Sven Botman. The length of Joe Linton and Fabian Scher's absences would be confirmed by scans, with optimism that both have escaped serious injury. Injury list is still looking bad. Elliot Anderson, Harvey Barnes, Javier Manquillo, Jacob Murphy, 
Nick Pope, Matt Target, Joe Willock all remain out. And Sandro Tonali is added to that list as he is suspended until August. There was some good news yesterday though, and that is that Lewis Hall is eligible to play against his parent club. And that is something that Chelsea have now given permission for. Enjoy the game tonight. That's in Newcastle United headlines on Tuesday morning. Smoggies and Proud. Borough News. Cup day. Happy Cup Day. Middlesbrough in the Cup. Let's go. Big night tonight. Michael Carrick insists that we can't afford to look beyond Port Vale as they look to make Cup memories. Oh, my goodness. Borough have progressed, obviously, into the quarterfinal of the Carabao Cup this season for the fourth time since winning the trophy 20 years ago. But we've never reached the semi-final since their glory of 2003. Oh, my goodness. But they have been handed an excellent opportunity to do that this season as we drew League One side Port Vale tonight. <laughs> Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. It's no secret that a big opportunity, what well, a big opportunity this is for Borough. To be this far in the cup at this stage of the season is not something Borough uh, or the fans are used to. As slights like this, you can remember. Carrick said on that, on the occasion that, but it's why we love the game. I remember the big occasions, the big nights, the big performances and results. You've got to embrace that. The emotion, the passion, the feeling of something a bit different that a one-off cup game brings. You can't replicate it week in, week out in the league. Oh, I'm ready. And Middlesbrough will react accordingly to whatever's thrown in their way of the coming days or weeks concerning their goalkeeping situation. Senny Dieng injured his thigh when taking a goal to kick late on Saturday's victory over Swansea City. With the set with Dieng going for scans and unconfirmed reports of his injury, Borough will be waiting the extent of his injury. Dieng was likely never to be involved anyway tonight against Port Vale, as we have been using Tom Glover, the big Aussie, all this season in the cup. And likely between, he's likely obviously to be in the sticks again tonight. But beyond that, looking ahead to Saturday's clash with West Brom in particular, it will remain uncertain whether Dieng will have enough time to recover. We will likely have the same team that came up against Swansea with no, little to no time in between the games. Uh, and Borough have been confirmed again by Michael Carrick that no injuries have recovered in time. So we have to overcome Port Vale, overcome our injuries, and overcome this extreme schedule, Borough, to get up and get to where we belong. Come on, Borough! That is your morning headlines. From Wickham to Whitley Bay, Stony Gate to Shields, Doggy to Darlow Back Lane, Steve, Ted, and Rye. The Northeast Footy Breakfast. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. Okay, let's look at this managerial appointment at Sunderland. Then we were talking about it yesterday. It was, uh, you know, it was going to be still for quite a bit, um, and then we were getting linked with a few other, play, uh, a few other managers potentially coming in. Some, as always, some daft ones added to the list. Uh, but Ted, it, it, it is Beal, and as you rightly said at the top of the show, you know, any true football fan, we might not like an appointment, but you've you've just got to get behind the man, haven't you? Now, yeah, absolutely. I mean. It kind of rewinding back a bit. It, it it almost came from nowhere. I, I remember Thursday night, one of the lads in our in our admin page, the, the page that I write on, the lads mentioned, "Oh my God, Michael Beale's odds have really come in." Um, and I kind of, I went to bed dismissing the gun. Nah, nah, should be not. He's you know he's fresh out of Rangers. Didn't go well there for him. Um, but you know, it almost has this image of a bit of a chancer and kind of, you know left QPR in the lurch and all this sort of kind of thing. Yeah, the weekend. 
everybody's starting to get really, really upset about it, thinking, well, this guy is clearly not an upgrade on, on uh, Tony Mowbray. But then again, we thought that Tony Mowbray might not be an upgrade on Alex Neil, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, listen, he's in there now. I've been having a bit more of a closer look at his uh, his credentials as a, as a head coach. Um, some some definite positives there, uh, without a doubt, but there's there's question marks as well. I mean, you look at the win percentage, but that's in Scotland. He's got a 72% win percentage, but like what we said yesterday, any of us in sitting doing this show now could probably go to Scotland and get that kind of percentage with Rangers. It wouldn't take a massive amount. The big criticism he had at Rangers was his recruitment, um, and that was that he, he pretty much stripped the team apart, brought his own people in. He won't be allowed to do that at Sunderland. That's not the way the model works. He'll be given young players to work with, um, and, and that's how they will proceed from there. The positives of this move is that Beale has got an awful lot to prove. This is, this is a, a, a chance for him to put a few things right um, by doing what he's good at, which is developing young players, playing attack and football as well, which he was known for that. Uh, I'm, I know we'll speak to Wayne later on, the QPR fan, um, who, you know, he will allude to the fact that, yes, they, at least they had that going for him. And he's, he's got a chance to build a bit of a reputation back up again. It's, you know, Sunderland aren't a million miles away from getting back into the Premier League. It's, it's surprisingly closer than what a lot of fans probably think. So for a chance for him to, to get his teeth stuck into a job like this, um, you'll prove a, a few people wrong, me included, because I, I, I didn't want him in either, and I'll, I'll be very, very honest about that. I hope there's nobody more wrong than me at the end of this season about this appointment. I really, really hope I'm wrong. Uh, so, yeah, but we've, like I said at the top of the show, we've got to get behind them. Sunderland will get behind their team, no matter what. Yes, they're, they're smarting over a few things that the owners have done right now, um, but... Make no mistake about that. Come January the sixth, when that when that derby happens, I think that'll all go out the window and it'll be red and white, and and they will scream that team on, no matter who's in charge or no matter who owns the club. I think. I big, can I just jump in? Go on. But the big thing for me with with Beal is I don't think it's his coaching credentials. Now I'm obviously outside looking in, but I remember watching this unfold in front of me, obviously with the Barra in the Championship, looking over at QPR. Now the big thing for me with Michael Beal that always sat. What always irked me, left a sour taste in my, my my mouth, was 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 this moment. I had to write it down to get it right. But this is exactly how uh, his move from QPR to Rangers happened, right? So QPR were top of the championship in October 2022, right? Mm-hmm. Beal obviously was like, wow, QPR top of the championship 2022. But he was then approached by Wolverhampton Wanderers to become their new manager, but then had reportedly turned them down. Upon turning them down, he then had... An interview where he said this. He said, Integrity is a real big thing for me and loyalty. You don't give it to receive it back. But if those are the things that you live by, then at times you are, when you are put in a position, you have to be strong by them. He said that October 2022. On the 28th of November 2022, Bill signed for Rangers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, so that is not even a month later. That he he's he's gone out and said integrity is a real big thing for me and loyalty. You don't give it to receive it back. October, twenty twenty two, twenty November twenty twenty two. Bill has left QPR to sign for Rangers. I, I mean, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna put something to you, right? Okay, so obviously you know we love doing this show together and all that sort of thing. Now, if somebody came along in Australia, right, and said. 
we love what you've done there, but uh, we want you to leave the Northeast Footy Breakfast show. We want you to come and do a show here. We're going to give you 250 grand a year to do it. As much as you're loyal to us and we have a good friendship between the three of us, you're going to take that money and you're going to go, mate, because ultimately you've got to make money. You've got to put food on your table for your family. So yep, I can't put any ideas in his head. And lo- you heard that, Dave. Really Dave, if you're listening, you've heard this. He's, he's going to leave. No, well, I mean, <laughs> it, you know, uh, no, nobody knows, but uh, there has, you know, I've had been approached by by this other place, but I don't, I never do that, right? And I never did it. And it wasn't about money or anything like that. But I never did it, right? But th- that's a very good point. And I completely agree that money talks. You know what I mean? I've got a young family and I completely agree, right? But I would never come out and say, that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm integral. I, mean, I have never come out and said, you know, that this is, you know, how dare they approach me and I'm integral, you know, my integrity is my last word and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then a month later for me to leave. It's just, it just doesn't sit well with me that he that he came out and was so strong in his comments to back QPR yeah. within four weeks later that he's been approached by Rangers and took it. Now I get it, the money talks and all that sort of stuff. It's just... That timeline of events, it kind of, and it's the same thing with Wilder. That's the reason I don't like Wilder is because yeah. when Wilder same with was Alex Neal. Getting, exactly, yeah, it, yeah. it's exactly exactly like that, exactly like that. It's 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 exactly that, and I don't like a manager that does that because with a manager, I get it. They're exactly the same as players. They want to earn more money. They want to make themselves a big manager and all that sort of stuff. But they've got a whole club and fan base behind them. They're not just one player that can be sold and move on. They are the they are the man. The buck stops with them. And when you go out and you, you you have these sort of moments where a Burnley comes in for you in the case of Wilder and you you sit in front of the fans and you tell them something which is clearly a lie, that's when I that's when I that's when I can't stand by it because, and I, maybe you can't maybe you know the the boardrooms and all that can can pull me up on this but just a little bit of honesty you know what I mean for me Michael Beale right you know at that stage going right Wolves came in for me. The, the offer wasn't right, you know what I mean? But I tell you, if the if offer did come in and it was right, of course I would move. Maybe something like that along those lines, but not going down the pathway of I am integ- I'm, my integrity is what I live by, my word is what I live by, you know, I stand by QPR, I, you know, this is the, how, you know, they can't, Wolves had no, you know, her right to approach me when I'm so loyal to this club and then four weeks later he leaves for Rangers. It's just, that's just, that, the way he go, went about that and what he said to then the four weeks later, that's what irks me. And it's the same with Wilder and it's probably the same with Alex Neal as well. It's this when a, when a manager digs his heels in about these rumours for us to then find out a couple of weeks later that they were true and that he's gone up and left, that's what bugs me uh, uh, so much. That's what I dislike. Yeah. There is a flip side to that because he did, when he, when, he was a, when he was at Queen's Park Rangers, Wolves tried to, to, to get him to go there and, and he, he did knock that back and he spoke about loyalty and integrity there. He's got history doing that. I think that the worry for me if I was a Sunderland fan would be his CV and mm-hmm. you know I mean even as a footballer uh, you know he didn't really do anything you know he, he no. started a football career um, you know at Charlton Athletic and he was released then he had trials at FC 20 in the Netherlands went to the USA and then retired at 21 I mean yeah. that's not really a, a career that anyone in that Sunderland dressing room um, with any experience can look at the, you know they can't look at Michael Beale and go 
you've been there, done it, got the T-shirt and got a medal to show for it. You know what I mean? You, he's got nothing. And and then... Arsenal Bingham set... was a crap footballer, though. <laughs> well, I know that. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, you're already defending him. But then he goes and... <laughs> then he goes Then he goes off and sets up something like a futsal, a futsal community for kids. And that's how he ended up going into coaching. Um, he invested a bit of money into a business, ended up going into coaching. And then... The rest of it's been a bit... I know you need a bit of luck in this game, but then he got picked up. You know, he ended up at Chelsea looking after the, the youngsters. Um, you know, then he progressed into the academy. Um, then, you know, he, he went on to work for Liverpool's academy. So he's he's had that little run. And then I think Steven Gerrard spotted him at Liverpool and he ended up building up that relation, relationship with him. And... Mm. That's yeah. how that's how we progressed. We all need a bit of luck in any career that we, uh, the, the you know any career that we go on. You've got to be somebody who you can be trustworthy and somebody that somebody can work with. So clearly, Steven Gerrard seen something in him which you know which he liked, and you know when he when he got the job um, at Rangers, you know again it's it's a knock on effect, and then. Gerald yep. goes to Aston Villa and, and Beale goes to Aston Villa with him. So for him, he's had that little bit of luck. He's gone, his progression's been rather, it's been rather quick. Um, so you look at his managerial career, QPR, um, obviously championship side, which is the, the division he finds himself in now with Sunderland. Um, he went to Queen's Park Rangers. He won one of his first five games, and then, you know, I, I think he got a point against Sunderland. You were, you probably remember that game, Teddy. You had um, yeah, it's the, uh, the keeper scored. That's right. Yeah, so it was it was quite a bizarre game, but you know, then after, yeah, that's right. After that, he he managed to get a nice little winning streak together, and he got them to the top of the championship. So maybe the Sunderland owners are looking at that and thinking, well, he's got that in him. But then he went on to lose four of the next five matches. So. I, you know, he has his CV. His CV's not great. Um, he he was approached by Wolves to go there. He apparently knocked that back. Said he was going to be loyal, etc., etc., etc. There's an interview up on the, Queen, the Queens Park Rangers website, which you can look at. Um, and then the next thing you know, he's off to Rangers. Um, with with his pal Stephen Gerrard, and 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 that's mm. where his CV finishes. So, wow. I mean, it's a hell of a gamble by the Sunderland owners. The the, the one thing that the the one thing this spells out to me is. The word cheap, um, you know, Michael yeah. Beale is not going to be expensive, is he, to, to hire no. uh, for the, for this job? And is he contracting out till twenty twenty six? Yes, two and a half year contract. So, but no, no Sunderland managers lasted that long, not for a exactly, long time. Exactly. So for me, it, for me, it's a bizarre appointment. I, I am not, I'm not sure where Sunderland are coming from, other than he's a cheap option, and you know. They are just hoping that you know this this roll of the dice might get them into the playoffs. You know he's got that he's got that in him to get into a dressing room, change things enough to maybe put a run together, get them into the playoffs. But it's a hell of a gamble, and his CV his CV doesn't suggest that he's going to be there. You know as long as two and a half years. But it's a strange appointment for me, lads. It really is. Does your thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, it's for me, it's a step backwards. To what you had, you know, you, I think I've talked about this before. I'm a MOGA fan, um, you know, hugely, vastly experienced, uh, and and um, yeah, I think bringing Beale in at this point, you know, all that talk last week was was about uh, you know uh, a young manager who's who's bilingual but who's who's got experience about bringing in young players and, and bringing through young players. Um, this guy, yeah, he's worked at a lot of academies. 
uh, and which is great, you know, working with with youngsters, developing, knowing how to develop uh, young players, um, getting trying to get the best out of them. Great, that's fabulous. Uh, but he's he's not ripped up trees, has he? Um, and I just think. You know, well, I actually, I actually think his stats read a bit different. I actually, because if you have a look at the stats now, when he was in charge of QPR by himself with no Steven Gerrard. Now, before that, the, I remember the headlines reading on BBC One Point. It was "Meet the Man Behind Gerrard's Success." I remember it well. Yeah. The reason that Steven Gerrard was doing so well was was pointed to Beal. I remember that well. He then left that. Gerard's company then to then take QPR by his solo. Now he had 22 games there. He won nine, drew five, lost eight with a win percentage of 40%, right? But at that stage, he had QPR's top of the table, all right? Don't yeah, forget. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. then he lent to Rangers by himself. Again, no Gerard as well. Because Rangers, you know, wanted him back without Gerard because Gerard had moved on. And he played, he had 43 games in charge there where he won 31 of them. Now, again, it's the Scottish League, take that with a grain of salt, and lost eight. But he had a winning percentage of 72%. Well, so within within those two games, you know, two managerial steerings where he's had QPR and Rangers, you do look at that and you have to go, I mean, he's been out of the game for a year, but you have to look at those stats. If you're a stats man, he's got a winning percentage of 61.5%. Now, not many managers can set, put their hat on a percentage as high as that for winning. I only managed 65 games, though. That was true. That's, like, that's true. I'm trying to stick up for you, Ted. Are you bringing me down? How dare you? Right, to be honest. I hate him. Get him out. <laughs> no, and I, I, I get that. It, but but again, look what you had. Yeah, you know, I, I, mean, I, don't, I can't see him being. But, but I don't it's know what pointless doing that now. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's, like you said, Ted, you move on. You you support the guy. You yeah. you know, you get behind him. Um, you know that that that's what it's about, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, that's the, the, that's the that only way forward. The, the role that Mike Dodds plays here, though, now cannot be underestimated. Because Mike Dodds, is, as part of this appointment, Mike Dodds was promoted to assistant head coach from first-team coach. Now, for me, it, it's almost like the role should be the other way around. It's almost like Beale would be the assistant head coach with, with Dodsey in charge. Because Dodsey's proved that, that tactically he can actually sit there with the best of them in the championship. And he's proved that against West Brom. He's proved that against Leeds. His tactics actually against Bristol City were bang on. It's just because, you know, our our front pairing couldn't hit a you know cow's backside with a banjo. Um, but tactically, he looks very, very solid. He knows the players well as well. So I think it'll be a case of more Michael Beale working with the younger players in that, that attacking style of play. And I think Dodsey will be responsible for more and more of the tactics. So you never know. This actually could be a bit of a dream pairing, but... I guess we'll, can you we'll see, see it? The, the can you see stages. it not working though? Because I mean, the, the rumors are that Beal was touted on the weekend, but the reason he hadn't signed immediately was because they had suggested that Dodds was going to be his assistant. Now he didn't want that; he wanted to bring his own backroom in, team in. But obviously, they've come to a compromise, and it's ended up where Dodds has been his assistant. But do you think is there going to be a clash there? Because I mean, Dodds is a young coach that wants success in the game as well. You've got Beal, who's a young coach that needs to prove himself at Sunderland. I'm wondering if it's going to be a case of two, two, you know, head rams bumping heads because odds you've got two good managers there, but you know, where does the buck stop, sort of thing? That's, well, that's it's the you know the proof of the puddings in the eating, isn't it? it, it it's yeah. we'll find out. But I mean, at the end of the day, look, it's work. I mean, you know, we're we're lucky here that I guess we get on with each other. But in other places of work, you don't always get on with your colleagues. But You've true, got to work true. together. You've got to find a way to, to, to make it happen at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It, I, I think personalities have to come out of it almost a little bit. 
Um, I'm sure there will be clear lines on on what the responsibilities are for each of those coaches. Um, and yeah, and we'll get to see the initial stages of that and, and the, the fruits of the labour of five days' work on the pitch on Saturday. I'm going to give a big shout out to Sean, me mate, who's a Sunderland fan. He says, you couldn't read out how I'm feeling, mate. I'm livid. Oof. <laughs> I, I mean, it seems to be the general consensus, though, doesn't it? Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not. You're not alone for sure. Yeah, no, it is, it's not. definitely. Yeah. Okay, seven thirty-three, slightly late for the sports headlines, but uh, Daz, if you're ready with a button, of course. Press. Ted, Rye, and Steve, the Northeast Footy Breakfast. Okay, welcome back to the North East Footy Brecky Show. Carabao Cup games tonight, chaps. And uh, let's look at Middlesbrough first. Middlesbrough take you. on uh, Port Vale. Port Vale. And, uh, yes. Ah, yeah, giant killers, Ted. Giant killers. <laughs> that's potential what we are. giant killers. Uh, that's what we are. But it's, it's a, listen, this is a great <laughs> opportunity for Michael Carrick's boys to get into the semi finals and potentially, potentially. Uh, get themselves a, a, a draw against one of the big guns. Could be Liverpool, could be Everton, could be Fulham, could be West Ham, could be Newcastle, could be Chelsea. Uh, but a chance to get to a two-legged semi-final where it's anybody's game, and and you know potentially a return to Wembley. But what's your th- what's your feelings on tonight's game, Ray? It's an it's a big one. Obviously, it's you know to be at this stage of the cup, it's not something we're used to. Uh, we go back 20 years ago now to, to see our last, obviously, Cup success. And we've arguably gotten, you know, a very thankful draw. We've, you know, we could have pulled any of the Premier League teams, but we've pulled Port Vale. The only team uh, to be out of the, uh, you know, out of the Premier League is is us. So, you know, uh, to pull Port Vale, it's a very good, you know, test. But we do have to go to Port Vale. It's a home game for them. You know, Middlesbrough still without a home game within this Cup run. We haven't been able to play at the Riverside once this thing. Uh, uh, and it's been, you know, it's been a great journey and I've, I've really, really loved it. And to see our squad, which has been stretched very, very thin with all the injuries, to have this cup run of success has been fantastic. And we've been able to see the likes of Sammy Silvera, the young Aussie, uh, Morgan Rogers, you know, some of these youngsters, even Joshy Coburn and all that, you know, get their chance because not only has Michael Carrick used it as, you know, when you go to this cup, you got this cup attitude as a club where they go, right, we're going to use the youngsters, you know, uh, and you, know, you got managers that go, oh, I don't really care about the cup, the, the, the league's, What's there for me? Well, Carrick's kind of had the same attitude, but he's also had the the dreams of success with it, which is kind of weird for me because we've never had a manager. I remember we had Neil Warnock and uh, just a couple of seasons ago, and I remember him saying, frankly, like he couldn't care less about the cup because we need to get back in the Premier League, and that's what he was going to focus on. And and but with this with this sort of era, Michael Carrick has not only played a different squad in terms of Tommy Glover, Morgan Rogers, Sammy Silvera, those lads that have been coming off the bench during the league. He's been playing them and starting them in the cup, but we've also had success there. Now, that's something that I've really, really enjoyed. And it's it's incredible because we're the second highest scoring side in this league cup as well. So we've got a goal tally of 11 in this whole cup run and we're, that's the second highest. So it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a uh, interesting one. They've obviously got two ex-Borough players in Connor Ripley, their goalkeeper. They've also got uh, Uke Ich. Ikazu, I believe he's appropriate. Oh, yeah. right. He's a striker. Say. Yeah, I know, I know, right? Jeez, I think I got that right. Uche Ikpiazu, obviously, is their their striker that well, used to be in the Borough Bush, but now isn't. 
Just cough when you say it. That usually covers the fact that you've got the translation wrong. Yeah, but uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great game. I'm very very excited. Obviously, it is an easier game, obviously out of the, outside of the Premier League, but it's a great opportunity for Borough to go up. Uh, I'm really expecting a very good performance. I'm interested to see who he plays with all our injuries. If, if he does turn, we think Tommy and we expect Tommy Glover is going to start in goal. Senny Dieng won't be there at all. So Tom Glover is going to be your man between the sticks. But apart from that, there's not really much he can change up, unfortunately, because there's no one fit. So you'd, you'd argue apart from that, it's probably the same squad that started against Swansea. Maybe a Joshy Coburn. Maybe there's a surprise of Hayden Hackney. It was told we were told that he'd be fit by Christmas. Well, there's only this game and and the one on the weekend before Christmas. So, you know, there could be a few surprise returns there, lads. But uh, look, I'm just excited to be to be able to get up. Uh, I've got, I'll, I'll be at work unfortunately in the morning, but uh, it'll be I'll be watching the cup and uh, I'll be just cheering as loud as I can because I love my club and I love the cup runs and uh, it's it's nights like these that you'll never forget if you get past them. I don't care who the opposition is. You know, it could be you know you see it all the time where a League Two team knocks out a Premier League team and all vice versa. You know, Borough have just got to focus on this one. We get past Port Vale and we're into, you know, the, the next stage of the, we're into the final four, which is incredible for Borough, especially with the season we've had, especially with the injuries. Uh, and, no, you know, I, I'm sure there's a half a dozen clubs out there with, which would dream to be where we are tonight. So I hope we take it, take our chance as well. Uh, take it with both hands. Uh, the fans are going to be traveling very, very well uh, down to Port Vale. It's going to be a fantastic night. I cannot wait. Ted Port Vale's 15th in League One. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. this this really is, it's almost like a, a, it's a perfect opportunity for Borough to progress. It is. Um, Port Vale's very first quarterfinal in their 147-year history, I've just read there, which Good is, uh, I mean, that's that's just astounding. But one of the oldest clubs in, in the league, um, and, and they've got a good tradition, you know, they've always been a decent side, Portville, you know, no matter where they've been in the tiers, they've never really been a naff side, I know they've had problems with existing in the past with, you know, financial troubles and all that kind of thing, but listen, they're going to be up for this tonight, um, and the, the thing that's going to count in their favour is Carrick does have a selection issue, um, and that is, you know, do you blood more young players from sort of you know from from, from lower down I suppose in the uh, in the academy areas and places like that because the focus has to be the league now I know Carrick's going to see you know, the, the cup's important like what Rice just alluded to there the league is the main concern for these and I just feel if if Carrick doesn't get the selection balance right tonight it could give them a little bit of a problem you got a, a relatively untested keeper going in goal. Um, the back four hasn't been settled for a long time now. All right, you know, did well against Swansea away. It's, like I said, very tough place to go and get a result that, and, and they did. Um, no hiding from that, but it's, it's very choppy and changey in the back four. That can lead to uncertainty. Now, Port Vale, on the other hand, to my knowledge, don't have many injury worries. They're a settled start in 11, and they know what they're doing. And it, it, if, in a cup game, it doesn't matter if you're from the league below. It's it the cup is a leveler. We've, we've spoke about this ourselves, Steve. You know, because there's there's a small matter of a small game coming up in January. Yeah. But Portville will be up for this, and they will try and exploit those weaknesses in terms of they'll know about the injuries, they'll know the problems that are there within the Borough squad, and they will get into their faces tonight. So it's it's not a foregone conclusion. I know Rise already making the excuses already that you know about the underdogs and and you know preparing the excuses excuses about the injuries and boo-hoo and can you hear a violin in the background um we, we yeah, hate Neil. I, I, 
I'm I'm going to enjoy this game. I'm actually going to watch this one. Um, I'll I'll keep half an eye on the Newcastle score. Of course, I will. But um, I I think this is the game I'll be watching tonight with interest. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big, it's a big game for Borough, and I I think does you know you know your focus is always going to be when you're in the championship, trying to get into the playoffs, trying to get automatic promotion. Sometimes the cup can be a bit of a distraction. Is is this a good distraction or a bad distraction? No, I think this is a really good distraction for us. Obviously, we've had a we've had an up and down season. We've had uh, horrible, stinking injury uh, issues. Um, and I think this is a, a good distraction for us as a club, for the fans. Um, you know, we uh, winning a cup is is not that far distant in our memories. Uh, we know how important it is to the club, uh, to yes. you know, to the fans uh, to do well in something like this. Uh, so I think this is a really good distraction. And you know, I, I think Connor uh, Ripley has done a has done a sterling job in whipping the boys uh, up. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw his quote yesterday where he says, "I'm not here to be a fanboy. I want to knock Borough out." Um, yes, which uh, yeah, See you tonight, Connor. Yes, stoked a, a fire or two there, and I think you know that's what more of a team talk to to, to those borough lads need. Um, you know, I, I think I'd post that in the dressing room. That I'd print yeah. that off and I'd put it on the yeah. dressing room. Um, I, I think borough players can't read though. <laughs> I put it on a loudspeaker then. I think they'll go down there. Moving on. I think they'll go down there tonight. They'll be buoyant after not playing so well on Saturday and still getting through, still winning the game, uh, getting the result that they needed. Um, yep, yeah, we've been up and down. Yeah, we've been topsy turvy uh, this season. But I think they'll be going down there tonight full of confidence uh, with respect to the. To, uh, to Port Vale as well, you know. I'm, I'm not saying that they'll go down there thinking it's it's going to be a walk in the park, um, nah. you know. But they'll That's go. What d- I said, yeah, yeah. They'll go they down there with respect, um, and I, and you know, I can see us coming out to two nil, three nil. Yes, Daz, get in. Get <laughs> in, Daz. What do you All think, right, Steve? Well, Steve, in I, terms I, of, I I personally think that this is a, a given for Burrard. I do think they'll get through. Um, the you know the the level of opposition you know I know people say yeah well you know the cups are leveler etc but you know Middlesbrough have got more than enough to go down there and beat beat Port Vale they're, you know they've, they've got to be up for it I, I agree those comments will certainly well they should stoke up the the Middlesbrough team and mm. and printing something like that off or sticking it over a tannoy however you choose to do it should motivate those players even more so but you shouldn't need motivation going into a quarter final of a cup nah, with a, semi, a exactly. two-legged semi-final on the horizon potentially yeah, now exactly. the last time there'll be two-legged semi-finals in the Carabao Cup um, it that gives you the that gives you the best possible opportunity of getting through so yeah I I I, I think that this is a you know, a great opportunity for Burrow. And I, I do think that, you know, I do think that this is the easiest tie of the round for anybody. And, uh, you know, great, great little learner for Port Vale. Don't get us mm. wrong. They'll be delighted yeah. with the gate money. Um, yeah, they this, will. The, yeah, this yeah will they will. Like, this will be like getting to the cup final for Port Vale. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's it's a great opportunity. And it's a good opportunity for, for them to get through and potentially face Newcastle. I, I you know, I, I look at Newcastle's game um, tonight against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and Barra Newcastle onto Newcastle Sunderland oh, I, it almost feels like it's written in the stars with us yeah. getting Sunderland it? away 
in the you know in the FA Cup, it almost feels like this is the season where our dreams come true, and especially with the first year of the North East Footy Brecky Show for us all yeah, to end exactly. up playing each other. Oh yeah, is, yeah, I'm loving it. It. It, would make, <laughs> <laughs> it makes it it would make it really unique, um, you know, and it, mm. it's a great way to launch our show this season. Um, oh, yeah. You know, we do have we, yeah. we'll actually have bragging rights, but. I think this Chelsea game tonight is 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 really dependent on it's really dependent on the side that Eddie Howe can get out. But you know he's very very smart as we know with these press conferences. He sits there. He he doesn't give too much away. There's a bit of humour with him in the press. They all know what he's like now. Um, we saw, you know, cautious cautious um, withdrawal from play of those two players, Fabian Scher and uh, Joel Linton at the weekend. Um, you know they, they weren't carried off on stretchers. Um, I think what there's what what's going on with Eddie Howe at the moment is very clever uh, player management. Um, you know he's he's having to do that because of the the lack of personnel, but he's getting the best out of players when they come back, and he's he's not putting them into the deep end, and you know. You know, getting ninety minutes out of them, he's 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 picking and choosing the times that he brings them on and brings them off. He's he's looking after his players, and you, and you, and the players clearly respect that. But it, it depends who's available tonight. He's you know he, he's not having to keep Lewis Miley's feet on the ground, which is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lewis Miley will run all day and all night for you. Seventeen years of age, he's he's trying to he's trying to like you know trying to cement a place in that first team, and he's doing a great job. Um, He'll also want to try and you know curb his enthusiasm a little and just keep his feet on the ground. But he's he's definitely going to be involved tonight. Sean Longstaff has has benefited from this Eddie Howe way of managing injuries, and he seems to be recovering game by game. He's he's clearly going to play tonight. It means that you know if Joe Linton is rested, um, given a bit of chance to recovery, we're not going to miss him as much as we would have done. Um, I think I would see Alexander Isak playing tonight. I'd be very surprised if Callum Wilson starts. I, I think Wilson looked um, as if he is still struggling a little bit, um, you know, but he's still putting his neck on the line, still still putting, you know, making a sacrifice and, and sticking his, sticking himself onto the pitch for the team. But I don't think he's fully fit. Um, so I would expect Alexander Izak to start tonight. Um, I think a big call for him tonight is the goalkeeper. Uh, he he yeah, probably start his first first. I, I think he'd start his first choice, which is Dubravka. This is this is a quarter final of a cup, and I don't think he's going to want to give Carius that opportunity tonight. Um, I think if Carius was going to play a game, it would have been, you know, would have been a couple. It would have been a couple of weeks ago when Pope got injured. I just think he's. I just think he's there as cover, and I think Dubravka will play. Um, and mm. there was the positivity coming out of Dubravka over the last forty-eight hours. I think he's gone through his own period of redemption with with the fans, because there was a lot of animosity towards Dubravka when he signed for Manchester United, and he said he was delighted to finally be at a big club, etc. Maybe it was taken out of context. Who knows? But. In essence, you know that that turned a few of the Newcastle faithful against him, and he's. I think he's. I think he served his period of redemption. It was great to see him keep a clean sheet at the weekend, um, and then he did an interview which Martin Hardy put out on Twitter yesterday. Um, you know about being at Manchester United. He admitted that he did get a, a Carabao Cup medal against Newcastle. Uh, he said and it was strange to get a Carabao Cup medal. Um, when he wanted Newcastle United to win, and I thought, well, that was the final piece of his redemption. You know, he's he's come out and said something. The fans loved that, and I think it was a smart move. I think it's also interesting here that Lewis Hall's eligible to play. There's been a few question marks over Lewis Hall over the course of the last 
couple of weeks because Eddie Howe hasn't been giving him those opportunities that Tino Livermento has had. Um, you know, he, he was a tad unfortunate when we played Man City. He got an early booking and then was withdrawn. You know, it was tactical. They didn't want to go down to 10 men, obviously. Um, he played at Old Trafford, though, in the in the last round and was absolutely superb and scored a wonderful goal. Um, I think we still intend to sign Lewis Hall, but I, I just think he needs to get a few more opportunities to to cement that deal and you know talk of clauses in contract um, that they've signed which means he has to hit certain quarters if Newcastle are going to have to you know sign him well Eddie Howe didn't dismiss it entirely but he didn't you know he, he didn't give us any real clues or indication as to where we're at with that but it sounded more positive for Lewis Hall what Eddie what Eddie said at the press conference so you know maybe we are still looking at signing him but he's probably not quite at those Eddie Howe levels um, as for Chelsea well we're playing a team that spent a billion plus on players uh, over the course of the last couple of years and Newcastle beat them 4-1 at St James's Park in the league a few weeks back so Chelsea will be smarting at that. They will certainly be looking for revenge and they will certainly be looking at getting through to the semi-finals of the Cup because their league form's atrocious. Um, they're not even Jekyll and Hyde. You know, they, they, they've got no chance, I don't think, of qualifying for Europe in the league. This is their golden opportunity to, you know, to get to a final and to get into European competition, which is a must for a big club like Chelsea. Um, Todd Bowley will almost demand it and... It's, the pressure is on Pochettino though because Newcastle go to to Chelsea and he knows he, he's got to win this. They're going to have to go for this tonight. Um, Newcastle's away form is poor. Um, we had we had a great we had a great away form last season, but this year it's poor in the Premier League, but not in cup competitions. Uh, the pressure seems to be off in cup competitions, and we went to AC Milan and we drew. We went to PSG and we drew. We went to Manchester United. We won three nil. So. Our cup form isn't bad. We lost against Dortmund, fair enough, but you know Dortmund got the measure of us home and away. But I'm a bit more confident going to Chelsea in the league uh, in the league cup than I would be in the league. So it's a huge opportunity for us as well to get through to the semi-finals. And I believe that Eddie Howe will will play strongest team, and his focus will be to get to this to to, to get to this final. Um, he was asked yesterday. Two two questions that he was asked yesterday. One about the, the you know the, the team would he be putting out his strongest team and he said he would be because you know uh, you know is the you know is the Carabao Cup Lee Ryder asked him the, the the greatest chance of winning a trophy and he said well it, it has to be because we're at an advanced stage in this cup competition, but he said he would be putting out the strongest available team to win the game. Louise Taylor then asked him a question from the Guardian and she she basically um, said you know with the FA Cup game coming up against Sunderland and with the games in January including Liverpool, Manchester City and Aston Villa um, you know is this not a cup competition you could do without would you not prefer to go out of this competition now and he just smirked and he said not at all um, you know this this is a competition that you know like every competition we want to win he says this is what we're in the game for he says we relish these challenges and he says from, from my point of view he says who did you say we've got in January and and she repeated the teams and he went, Well, that sounds like a great month. I can't wait for that. And I thought that's Eddie Howe all over. With that kind of mentality it, from your gaffer to your players, you know, it you're only going to exude confidence going into these kind of games. So so for me personally, I'm excited. Looking forward to Newcastle playing Chelsea tonight. It's live on sky in front of the cameras. 
good opportunity for Newcastle to get to another semi-final and I think the driving force for us Ray will be last year's defeat in the final yeah. Newcastle players want to put yeah. this these players want to put this right Ray yeah no I completely agree no I completely agree I think it's going to be a massive game uh, for Newcastle against obviously travelling to Chelsea as well I mean Chelsea, you, had, you got the you know you got the job done at St James. Now it's you know it's a chance to go to, to their own park and do the same thing. And I think Chelsea would be would have learnt a lot from that game earlier in the season, Premier League. Even though it, the teams are probably going to look completely different, I would argue. I'm not sure Chelsea's will, but I know Newcastle's will because of the injuries they've had between now and then. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Chelsea respond at home. It'll be a game that they're up for, I think, as well. Obviously, they're going to want success there because their Premier League success hasn't been as much as they wanted. So. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, I'll be watching the Borough game, but I'll be I'll be keeping an eye on it just obviously to see you know who progresses through from the other teams. But um, yeah, it's going to be a, a good game, and then uh, hopefully it's you know one where you come through unscathed because the worst thing you want is in this cup run uh, is to get any you know bigger injuries for, for what you want you know at the end of the day, which you have said is is to still you know finish in that top six or so to, to have Champions League football again next season. So. Yeah, fingers crossed. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good game without any injuries for for Newcastle because you know you can't afford many more. <laughs> no. Ted. Yeah, it's 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 probably the tie of the round to be honest. Um, in in terms of the football and <clears throat> quality, it's it's two right now very evenly matched sides, and and that's maybe doing Newcastle a little bit of a disservice on that one. The one to watch out for tonight for me is uh, is the fifty-two million pounds worth of talent that uh, Chelsea are going to bring off the bench for his debut, which is uh, Christopher Nkunku, which is a yeah, yeah. It's it's not a it's not a bad substitute to have. Like is it to, to, to have up your sleeve is, is bring somebody on who's bought bought from our uh, Red Bull Leipzig last season. Um, oh, sorry, to, the beginning of this season, not played yet because of his injury problems, but he's back. Um, ready to make his debut and I reckon he'll probably see him for about 20 or 30 minutes tonight should be interesting to see what he can do in that short space of time but I, I, I honestly think Newcastle are very very well drilled these days it's not like the entertainers days Steve where you know no. the Newcastle will go and score four goals but they'll concede five and you know it's, it's not that kind of squad anymore and I think this will be a very tight affair I, I don't think it'll be cagey I don't think it's going to be one of those boring cup games but It'll be uh, it'll be two big cup heavyweights, I think knocking seven bells out of each other, and it'll be it'll be a cracking match to watch. Um, as for who edges it, I really can't call this one. Um, obviously, that that defeat, the four-one defeat that Chelsea suffered up up at St James's, that's going to smart a bit, and obviously Chelsea are going to want to put that right. Um, but you know, it, it, Newcastle going into that game with absolutely zero fear. You talk about you know not having won a cup since 1955. They're going to want to put that right. That you know history dictates that Newcastle are a, are a big club, and they're going to want to win a trophy. And I, I think it'll be all guns blazing tonight. It'll be a cracking game. In fact, you know what? I'm, I'll, I'll forget the Borough uh, the Borough and Portfield game. I'll watch that one instead. It's going to be more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's just uh, how fickle are Sunderland fans. They oh, are no, so right, fickle. Eh? How quick to jump the ship yeah. is he? You know what I mean? You see, this is the Beale connection. It's that he's got to follow the London side of things. Now, that's it. <laughs> and, and Steve, I know we, we're fast approaching the news, uh, but uh, tonight marks uh, Eddie Howe's 100th game in charge at Newcastle. Carabao Cup final, Champions League, fourth place finish. He, he's done all right, hasn't he? 
He has, mate. I mean, you know, he was asked the question yesterday, you know, what what what, what was he hoping for in the next 100 uh, games? And he just said, you know, this more of the same. Yeah. He says there's been some great memories, some great emotions and some great memories. And, he, you know, he hopes for more of the same. He couldn't believe the stat. It was Lee Marshall who... Uh, who'd mentioned it to Eddie and credit to Mark Hannon who uh, is part of the media team there who is a, a bit of a statistician and he uh, he came up with it and uh, yeah 100 games it's hard to believe it, in some ways it feels like more um, it feels like he's been there for years but you know it's only been a couple of years but yeah he's brought us so much in a short space of time but as as always Eddie would never take the credit himself he would always point yeah. to the you know the coaching staff behind him and the players that have uh, given their all and that's all he wants. He just wants effort and, and commitment from his players, and you know to do you know exactly what his coach and staff lay out, and and that's it. But yeah, uh, you know, happy anniversary to Eddie, and um, look forward to tonight's game. Should be interesting. Uh, it is uh, eight o'clock. Uh, you can get in touch with the Northeast Forty Brecky uh, dropping us a WhatsApp on zero double three or or four three two thousand and two. Uh, after the news, we're going to be chatting to uh, Wayne Lampard. Indeed, no relation. Uh, no relation. I thought I'd better check. Um, and uh, he's a QPR fan, isn't he? And he's going to give he us a, give us a, a lowdown on uh, Ian Beale. Um, and yeah, and we'll, we'll also uh, chat more Northeast Footy Brecky as well uh, after the news. The Northeast Footy Brecky right across the Northeast on the Cat, the Toon, and the Red. And uh, you can get in touch with the show at any time on the WhatsApp, or double three or four three two thousand and two. Uh morning to Jack, who's down in Leicester, who's very, very happy this morning. Uh, he got morning, his Jack. Uh, Red oh, Radio um, uh, beer match yesterday in the post. Yes. Uh, so he's, he's very happy this morning. Morning, Jack. And uh, Daniil's also Jack. been in touch as well. Uh, he's morning, Daniil. He said, don't panic, Ted. Morning, mate. Don't panic. Uh, <laughs> uh, he said, good morning. It's all right. Does he know the answer? <laughs> <laughs> he does. He knows tomorrow's. Can't uh, believe it. Uh, but he's also wished uh, both of the big northeast teams good luck for uh, the cup Thank tonight. You, That's very kind of good you. Good lad, Daniel. Wow. <laughs> I've gone off him. Good lad. <laughs> Get on the barrel. Blocky okay. number. Well, we have got a we have got a guest coming up uh, in the next few moments. But uh, first, we are going to go to the club headlines. Smoggies and proud Borough News. <laughs> Good morning, Borough fans, on what is a very big day. Uh, we're on to the Carabao Cup tonight against Port Vale away. Obviously, it is the fourth time uh, we are in the quarterfinal of the Carabao Cup since winning the trophy 20 years ago. But we've never reached the semifinal since the glory of 2003-2004. But we've got an excellent opportunity to do that this season, obviously drawing League One side Port Vale. It's no secret what a big opportunity this is for the Borough. To be fair, this at this far to be this far in the cup at this stage of the season, it's not something Borough and fans are used to. But it's nights like this you can remember. Now Carrick had to say this about the occasion. Creating memories and big occasions is what we're in it for. Remembering big nights and big performances and results. You've got to embrace that. The emotion, the passion, and the feeling of something a little bit different of one-off games. 
bringing something that you can't replicate week in, week out of the league. We've earned it. We've been, a, been away a lot and had some good results, some good performances, and this is the next one. Hey, cup quarterfinals don't just come along. They always come along every season. Uh, they don't come along every season, so we want to be at our best. Get in, lads. And obviously, Middlesbrough will be reacting accordingly to whatever is thrown, them, uh, thrown at them in the next few days concerning Seni Dieng. Seni Dieng injured his thigh when taking a goal kick late on Saturday's victory over Swansea City. With Boris still awaiting scan results to reveal the full extent of the injury, Dieng was never likely to be involved on Tuesday night anyway because Boris will probably be playing Tom Glover, who has featured in every cup game so far. Tom Glover has obviously been excellent in this season between the sticks during those cup games as well. Uh, but beyond this game, looking ahead on Saturday, it is unlikely that Seni Dieng might not be able to recover in time. So, Borough will likely have the same team than that against Swansea, minus obviously Seni Dieng, with little to no uh, time in between the games to have to overcome Port Vale, overcome their injuries, and overcome this extreme schedule to get to where we belong into the cup final! Come on, Borough! Get in! Borough Ripley! We're coming for you! That's your headlines. Magpies and Proud, Mags News. Newcastle United are in the Carabao Cup quarter-final tonight at Stamford Bridge. They reached this point after a 1-0 home win against Manchester City in the third round and a 3-0 win at Old Trafford in the fourth round. It's an 8 o'clock kickoff. It's live on Sky Sports and all the away end tickets have been sold. If the scores are level at the end of 90 minutes, the tie will be settled with a penalty shootout because there is no provision for extra time at this stage of the competition. This is the 11th time that we've made it to the last eight of the League Cup. We've triumphed just twice, both games on home territory. The semi-final draw, if Newcastle or Middlesbrough uh, manage to get into it, or both, uh, takes place after the Liverpool versus West Ham game on Wednesday night. Eddie Howe's press conference yesterday, well, he said that late decisions would be made involving the involvement of uh, Alexander Izak and Sven Botman. Uh, he also gave an update on the injuries to Joe Linton and Fabian Scher. He said their absences would be confirmed by scans, but he was optimistic that both had escaped serious injury. Injury lists, though, uh, is still a thing at Newcastle. Elliot Anderson, Harvey Barnes, Javier Manquillo, Jacob Murphy, Nick Pope, Matt Target and Joe Willock all still out. Sandro Tonali uh, is suspended until August. There was a, a little bit of good news in the sense that Lewis Hall is eligible to play against his parent club tonight. And Chelsea have given their consent, uh, so he will be available for selection in this quarter-final. Enjoy the game tonight, folks. I certainly will. That's your Newcastle headlines on Tuesday morning. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Michael Beale says he's excited and honoured to be the new head coach at Sunderland and was straight to work at the Academy of Light on Monday with his first game in charge coming up against Coventry City this Saturday. Beale has concluded a speedy return to football after his tenure ended at Rangers and has now signed a two and a half year contract until the summer of 2026 at the Academy of Light. While Rangers' stint was disappointing, Sunderland bosses have no doubt looked further back into Beale's career. He has a fine record of developing young players, having impressed Steven Gerrard with his work in Liverpool's academy before going on to join the excellent fielders coaching team at Rangers, then Aston Villa. The reaction from fans is that Beale isn't the most popular appointment, but then again, neither was Alex Neil or Tony Mowbray initially, and they quickly got fans on side with performances and results. The feeling is that Beale must do the same. Now hold on to your Christmas hat, Sunderland fans. A striker scored a goal last night. 
Sunderland under-21s rounded off 2023 with a 2-1 defeat to Arsenal, despite a valiant performance at Everton Colliery Welfare in the Premier League 2. Nazari Rusin's dive and header put the Black Cats ahead going into the break, but Kion Edwards' second-half brace handed the Gunners all three points. Timothy Pembele, Jay Matete, Adji Alessi all made competitive returns for Sunderland under-21s last night in the final fixture of the calendar year. And finally, the Sunderland Echo reported that Aston Villa's World Cup winning keeper, Emmy Martinez, had a lot to say about Sunderland boss Michael Bale and all of it positive. Speaking about Bale and their time together at Villa, Martinez said, It's the first time in 14 to 15 years of my career that the assistant coach does all the talking. He knows so much about football, it's just incredible. He does all the training sessions, he takes all the important meetings. When you're in a, a, any club, the manager does the talking and the assistant coach helps. But with Michael and Stevie G, we felt they were both managers. They were both respected very much. And that's your Sunderland headlines. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the Oh, sorry, just waiting for Ted to finish then. My God. He's okay, let's wow. go. Honestly, hey guys. if wow. you see the abuse that I get sorry. while I'm trying to read some serious headlines <laughs> out, while, yeah, Rye's just gone on reading War and Peace for the last 20 minutes. Ah, oh, nobody wants to hear about Connor Ripley, man. Oh, way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have got a very special guest on the show, Ted. We do, we do. It's a gentleman who I've known for many, many years. He's a QPR, uh, I believe a season ticket holder, being a, a huge fan of them. He always gives me absolute belters when QPR have undoubtedly beaten us many times in the past. Uh, so yeah, we've got Wayne Lampard on to talk to us a little bit about Michael Bale and how bad QPR are doing this season. Waza, how are you doing, son? Oh. oh <laughs> Good summary. <laughs> Terrible. It's been a, it's been a tough two years being being a QPR QPR fan. Uh, I am yeah. As uh, as Teddy said, I'm season ticket holder, uh, and have uh, have spent way too much time, money, and energy following my team up and down the country <laughs> for the last two years. But we've all got to have one vice in life, right, gents? So mine just happens to be blue and white. But um, but, you absolutely. Know, that, you, but you know, last last sort of seven eight games have uh, have certainly got a little bit better for us. So, fingers crossed. I just, I just want to stay in the championship this year. You know, that's that's all, that's the only mate. hope. Big club, it's big club. Hope. We'll come on. But before we'll we get stuck QPR. into, go on then. <laughs> um, I just please do me a favour and absolutely turn over Chelsea tonight. <laughs> oh, that would make. We'll do our best, mate. We'll do our best, mate. hundred percent. I'd love to see that lot get absolutely pummeled again. It's made it's the only <laughs> the only upside. The only upside of the last twelve months has been watching that lot fall apart even quicker than we are. It's brilliant to see. And you never know so, the Kings Road might get a Tesco's in a couple of years' time when they eventually flatten Stamford Bridge. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, we weren't expecting yes. that much rich content from you, to be honest with you. But that's it. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the big announcement, obviously, mate. Uh, we spoke a little bit uh, yesterday via a few messages. Michael Beale, what was, what was your first reaction when you heard he was linked with Sunderland, let alone getting the job? Um, I think probably like a lot of QPR fans, we, we all had a little bit of a giggle that this guy must interview unbelievably well. 
because or he's got a great agent because don't really know how yeah. he gets through the door to to big clubs because yeah, but I have been listening to you boys uh, for the last sort of forty-five minutes, and as you said, the his his record, albeit for two very small stints, is good. But he's never actually done anything in football, so he's obviously got somebody that talks to either him or or somebody in his in his locker room that talks an unbelievable game about him because I don't really know how he gets to the table to have a conversation in an interview, let alone actually nail it. So he's obviously doing something right. From a, from an honest fan's perspective, and I know you always give honest answers to these sort of things, Wayne. What was life like under under Michael Beale for QPR? I mean, it was it was a short stint, like you say, but you know, in, in your opinion, yeah. how did it go? So um, obviously, when when he when he joined QPR, probably like most QPR fans, we briefly sort of heard rumours about him, and it kind of actually a little bit like the Sunderland job. His appointment at QPR almost felt like it came out of nowhere. Um, after Warburton left, there was loads of names. The usual, the usual characters' names being being chucked around and banded around, and and Mick Beale appeared out of kind of almost sort of left field, um, and you know had a little look into him, and we were quite excited. And he came on board, and he 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 started to say the right kind of things. Didn't get off to the greatest start, but you know very few QPR managers do, to be fair. So you know we we were just hoping that he could cont- sort of continue to build on on what Mark Warburton had done. Um, and, and and honestly, it kind of went off the rails for him really quickly um, as QPR fans. But, you know, you, it, the headlines are great. You know, we were top of the league and all that kind of stuff. Even the most diehard in the wall QPR fans say that when we were top of the league in August last year, it was a bit of a fake position. You know, we had... We, we were winning games and, and getting points that we had no right really to get. But sometimes that's just football. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, and then we, we all knew that with the QPR was, we, 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 you know, most football fans aren't silly. We, we appreciated the QPR. We're not a big club uh, by any stretch of your imagination. Um, and we were probably going to be a stepping stone for him. But um, what became evident is he was very quickly handing his CV out to anyone that had talked to him you know there was supposedly he had put himself in the frame for three jobs in the first three months of, of joining us which is never going to ingratiate yourself to a football team, to, to a fan base is it let's be fair no, you know, I mean, we, 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 we... I was going to say that because obviously yeah that, that stepping stone became apparent very very quickly obviously you know fair play he turned the Wolves job down and alright the, the, the Wolves one <laughs> Could you say the Wolves is a bigger club than QPR? Maybe only just in terms of you know, in terms of the history and all that kind of thing. I've, you know, Queens Park Rangers are they're not the biggest club in London by any stretch of imagination, but a good solid club, a good solid fan base, all that kind of thing. So you know, yeah. fair play turned down the Wolves job, but when he took the Rangers job, what what was the reaction among QPR? Because obviously people are saying like you know, jump ship very very quickly after giving that big speech about loyalty. What what was the feeling among the fans then? Um, honestly, probably mainly anger and and, and disappointment because you've got to remember it. There was the the but there was also um, very very strong rumours that he had chucked himself in the ring for the Stoke job that was going at the time as well. Um, so you know, after the Wolves thing, he came out with his press conference of talking about loyalty and I'm here for the project and uh, you know I'm excited about what the owners want to do at QPR and 
you know, all of the right things, absolutely got all of the fans back around him again. Um, but also the team. I think the thing that you that, that people, you know, it's one thing to do, and and then to, to and then obviously, you know, less than four weeks later, knowing full well at the time he was already talking to to somebody at Rangers, just it's a little bit of a punch in the gut. But I think the biggest thing is actually look at what it did to QPR, the players, the way that that he went around talking about loyalty and all of that kind of stuff because. Our form, uh, you know, our performances and our form didn't just go off a cliff. Jets, it, it fell through the floor. Like, just it, he just him leaving just sucked everything out of the 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 team and the young players that that he he was working with. It just 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 destroyed everything, and it's taken us eighteen months to to put it back together again. So I, I guess yeah. obviously if he does stick around, Wayne, do you, do you think he's the he's the man that can take Sunderland back up, or or do you think it's going to be another managerial appointment before we get near to that? Um, honestly, I think he's probably going to be another managerial appointment. You know, I, you know, I, I'm not I'm not necessarily one of those people that like seeing our old managers and players not succeed. You know, Senny Dieng up at Middlesbrough, I want him to do well. He, he left with. Yeah, I, I loved Senny. I was one of the few QPR fans. I absolutely loved him, um, and was 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 there for the header. I I was a little bit gutted when he left, but I, I I want our players and our managers if they're going to leave to go on and be successful wherever possible. Saying that, Mick Bill is the uh, exception to the rule. So personally, I hope he stinks the place out. Uh, yes. I really do. Yes. Uh, I really want uh, him I love to, bringing uh, long-term friends on this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Uh, yeah, just, you know, uh, and, and, you know, I hope Jack Clark absolutely, I think he, hope he falls to Peter. Actually, I hope he learns how to stand up for a start. But oh, you know, come just, on, <laughs> come, come on! He's the only player I know that needs studs on the back of his shorts. Oh, love it! Yes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, well, what's no, going on every day? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's the answers to to your problems. Um, Personally, um, I think that yeah, it is a gamble for you guys. It's a gamble that you know ultimately it could go, but there's nothing in his. If you look at if you look at his, he's had two managerial jobs, and both of them were worse off after he joined than when he than when he started. So um, you know he he's he's never walked out leaving any of his where he's actually responsible for everything. They've never ended up better off than when he walked in. Yeah. So. I think it's uh, it's definitely a bit of a gamble for you boys. Two tough games some, coming we... up for your lads, because you've got Southampton next, mate, Boxing Day, quite literally Boxing Day, because you're away at Millwall. That's going to be a bit of a tasty yeah. affair, mate, isn't it? Oh. It's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah me. I was, uh... <laughs> I, I've been to I, I've I've done all I've done a lot I, I've been home and away pretty much every game this season. I was at Sheffield Wednesday on on Saturday, which was the oh. drive up was brilliant. The uh, the the two hundred and something <laughs> mile drive back down south was pretty tough. Um, yes, uh, two, you know, I was there for the I was there for for our defeat against Southampton. And to be fair, we were we played that was when Gareth Ames was was in charge and we played all right Southampton weren't anything special but I'm a little bit worried about that one the Millwall game is vital for us because we just need yeah. to try and stay in touch with 
with Huddersfield and the the more the the Stokes and and people like that and Swansea and Cardiff, hopefully they'll keep. I want to turn that bottom three into a bottom ten if we can because I think that's yeah. really only our 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 best chance of staying up is the more teams that can get pulled into it, the better chance we've got to stay in the league. So, and then it switched away on the 29th. But it's like three really really tough games. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, Good morning, mate. Be, it's right here in uh, it's right here in Australia. I just wanted to quickly ask. Obviously, we said QPR come to uh, to Middlesbrough and and do us well. Uh, when get the day that Gareth Answorth uh, only did up two buttons on his shirt because my goodness, that man yeah. didn't know how to button up his shirt correctly. Uh, I just wanted to ask. Obviously, in terms of Gareth Ainsworth. What you felt went wrong because we, oh, for me, I, you know, I actually quite liked Gareth when he was at Wickham. I thought he did very well there. He was obviously a manager there for such a long time. And then QPR did give him a, a good stint. And I think you've got a good squad there. I always look at Loftus Road and, and, and watch, you know, and especially with Ilias Chair. I think he's a fantastic player. Probably, you know, a, 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 another sort of Adele Tarrat, uh that, that I sort of remember in the QPR shirt. What do you think went wrong under Gareth Ainsworth that, that led to you sacking this season? Um, so first thing, I absolutely loved Garrett as a player. He was one of my. He was. He, he came in when QPR. You know, I, I was well, like many fans. I was stood outside with a bucket, shaking it for, for, for coins to try and keep us as a football club because we were on the verge of, of going into administration. And Ian Holloway brought yeah. a whole raft of players in. Gareth Ainsworth being one of them, and he just yeah. sort of embodied everything that we needed at the time. So when, you know, he'd been trying, you know, there'd always been talk about him coming back as a QPR player. He's, oh, sorry, as a QPR manager. He was a, a legend of a player. Um, and when he came back last season, we were in real trouble. You know, the form table doesn't lie. We were falling through the league. We hadn't won for, for 18,000 years, it felt like. Couldn't score a goal. <laughs> um, and, you know, he... he, he and he came in and he kept us in the league just I think it's probably more to do with the other three teams with points deductions and stuff than it was about us but we stayed in the league um, I think honestly it's a real shame to say but I think the biggest problem was the job was just too big for Gareth I think mm. League One Wickham was a, is a perfect sized job perfect sized league for him um, you know you've, we've seen it with players the gap the gut between League One and Championship is as big as the gap between the championship and the Premier League is, right? There's levels to this yeah. stuff. And I just yeah. think yeah. he didn't quite have the the tactical ability for the championship. Um, mm. You know, you can't... The, play, the, the, the teams are too good. You can't sit behind the ball for 70 80% of the game yeah. and try and nick it 2-1 all of the time. The teams are just too good. You get blown out in the first 20 minutes, which is what happened to us at Watford at the beginning of the year and we were 3-0 down within 25 minutes you just you can't do that in the championship I just unfortunately I just don't think he quite had the right tactical and he didn't get, I think it was a little case couldn't see the wood for the trees at times to be honest gents yes. and then looking at the, the uh, two teams looking at, looking at the two northeast teams Middlesbrough and Sunderland which one do you think is most likely to make the playoffs this season oh that's a great shout um just remember those years of friendship. <laughs> it's one answer here, mate. We'd love to have your show I'd, again, I'd, just depending on this answer. I'd probably, yeah, we'd probably go. Honestly, I think it probably would be Borough. Um, yeah! Oh, yes! Um, I love him! 
Um, so, sorry, when we're losing the line. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because, you know, they were there last year. Um, yes. I know that a lot of the younger players so have gone and stuff. Yeah, but you, yeah, but nobody really cares about something anyway. Uh, yeah, so exactly. Like just, exactly. Just, you just feel wow. over just there, mate. Castle painting. Yeah, you just feel away. <laughs> 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 Oh, we like this guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Next, next up on Ted's former mates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Now I love it. Wayne, it's Absolutely been a pleasure it. as always, my buddy. We'll, uh, we'll stay in touch. I genuinely do hope QPR survived because today it's a great away day for the Sunderland fans. And it, I love the Loftus Road, yeah. So, yeah, it's a great yeah. old ground. And yes. best of luck to you yeah, for the rest of the really season. Really tight knit. I appreciate it, guys. I hope we stay up as well because I don't think I've got yeah. it in my. Uh, I don't think I've got in my portfolio to do deep <laughs> one plus all of next season. Nah, the past couple of weeks have been good for you. I think you. I think you're okay now. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, right, uh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Have a good one, gents. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. All you the too, best. Mate. Have a great Okay, half past eight, time for the sports headlines, and then it's time for Steve's Christmas joke. Ted, Rye, and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North East, the Reds, the Cats, and the Ten. Okay, welcome back to the North East Football Breakfast Show, and uh, as always, I've got a little Christmas joke for you guys. Uh, you ready? Love it. Oh, yes. Oh, Bring it ready. In. Yeah. Okay, I'm here sitting we go. down. What do you sing? At Santa's birthday party. Hmm. Don't know. What do you sing? What do you sing? For he's a jolly good fellow. For he's a jolly good fellow. Oh my God. Lad. Nah, nah, nah. Yesterday's See, was better. When you set the bar nah. so high with yesterday's. <laughs> 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 the bass. I used the copy and bass one today. That worked. Good lads. Oh, oh, good lads. Brilliant. Oh, honestly, it. it's class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're into the last 20-odd oh, minutes of the show. Um, we, all, we often talk about greed in football. Uh, FIFA announced the 32-team Club World Cup. Uh, from 2025 with Chelsea and Man City through Liverpool and Manchester United though missed out now this is the revamped Club World Cup which is going to be held for the first time in 2025 with 32 teams Chelsea and Man City lead European qualifiers as Liverpool and Manchester United have missed out World League Forum run by Premier League Chief Executive Richard Masters though has complained to the FA about this um, I mean, I've got to be honest, lads. We've got so many things going on in football. We're talking about, uh, you know, the new rule changes and is is extra time in games causing more injuries in football? Um, do we really need this competition in, in you know, revamped and, and brought back? I mean, it, it's crazy for me to, to suggest that, you know, potentially in the future... Newcastle could end up playing in a, a summer competition, which, you know, this, this runs in the USA between June the 15th and July the 13th, 2025. So let's say you play a full season, you're progressing a lot of the Cups, you get to a final, and then, you know, you, you finish your season, usually the, the back end of May, I mean, one of these teams, one of these big teams could get to the Champions League final. You're finishing your season in May, you've got two weeks off, you're away to play in this competition uh you finish on july the 13th and then you report back to pre-season training i mean 
it, it's mm. ludicrous. It really, really is. Yeah. Um, so, so for me, it's not about who qualifies and who doesn't qualify. Um, but ultimately, it's about the fact that you know European teams are, are being you know made to play in these cup competitions during the summer, and it's all about the money. I mean, it's a you know they're looking mm-hmm. to make around about fifty million pounds from this tournament, and it's going to be held every four years. And when you bear in mind as well that you've got the Euros, um, which fall through, you know, through the summer months, you've got the World Cup as well, which falls. You, you know, you're not going to get any time off as a, as a professional footballer. I know some people say, well, they get well paid, this, that, and the other, but I just think this is ludicrous, lads. I think we're taking it a step too far now, bringing in new competitions, and you know, again, essentially just you know, trying trying to milk the football market for for, for profitable gain. I mean, what? Right, yeah. crazy. Agree. Ted, crazy. Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. The, the only benefit I see out of it is that it does include some Australian teams in there. So there is an oceanic <laughs> group, Sorry. which pulls some of these. Um, it, it is. It's the it's the best thing that's ever happened to the A League and, and to something like that because there's nothing else going for it other than that now. So, uh, but to, but to see you know to see the likes of an A League team you know going up against Man City, which is just ridiculous, but. It, it, it's good for Australian football in terms of that. I dare say MLS and some of these other leagues that are probably not as big, uh, I probably you know would say, yeah, definitely. It's great for them because it puts them on the world stage and it puts their club on the world stage. But in terms of for the Premier League, the guys that are at the top of the Europeans, it's just more football that's unneeded. Do you know what I mean? We hear it constantly. And, you know, I always now think back to that Dan Byrne podcast, Steve, where he's talking about, it just not not that you know he 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 was you know upset with it, but he just didn't realize how much football it would take to be a Champions League football club, in terms of having the re, you know the recoveries and all that sort of stuff. Now you're telling me that they get through all that you know in a magnificent season, and then they get you know finally they get two months off to spend with their loved ones, kids, whatever it may be. Now they have to travel to America to do it. You know, it's just is there is I think that we're getting to a point where there is too much football. You know, and I hate to say it because I, I don't want to sound know ungrateful or anything like that or, or like a van dyke 2.0 but there is such thing as too much football now world cups and stuff like that when you play for your country completely different story but when it's club football again now in what's meant to be their off season when they're meant to have time with their families their loved ones all that sort of stuff they do deserve a break you know they guess they get paid well and all that sort of stuff but you got to understand that they they're human as well now yeah. and i just feel like they're gonna and, and you know, i think you'll find some of these club teams as well probably not taking the full outfits with them do you know what i mean if they do get into it you know what i mean you might see newcastle not taking you know the likes of Isaac and and trippier and all that those guys that play every game in the regular season i dare say they won't you know they, they might some of them might even travel so yeah it's interesting for me it's great for it's great for the smaller leagues not so good for the big boys yeah Ted? What, yeah. what do you reckon teddy That's- boy yeah, it's look, Steve. To use a boxing parlance here, and I'm going to make a comparison. You had, Ooh. you know, the Rumble in the Jungle. You had like the likes of, uh, you know, Bruno against Tyson, Lennox Lewis big fights, all that kind of thing. The World Club Cup is basically Ivan Drago versus Apollo Creed. Yeah. It's it's all fur court. It's all pomp, and it's just ridiculous, overplayed nonsense just to just to make money. And that you, 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 it all comes down to that. Obviously, FIFA must be skinned. You know, he, he says, laughing up his sleeve. Um, it's it's pointless. It really is because it, it. I can't even remember. Like, sort of. Obviously, you know, as a neutral, I like to watch Champions League football. I like to watch. You know, stick a game in front of me. Most of the time, I'll take an interest if it's a good game. I'm sorry, I can't get excited about that. It, it, it's just it, it doesn't help for me. 
It's it's just pure money making. It's gonna put players at risk in terms of look. I want to watch Premier League football and hopefully you know touch wood that we see Sunderland doing that. But when Sunderland do get the Premier League, I want to see the players playing for Man United, Liverpool, Newcastle. I want to see the best players possible. And if, if you know if we're gonna lose out on that due to overplaying them and you know losing them to injury because of because of FIFA's latest hobby. Then, then sorry, like I'm, I'm not for it. I'm really not. Um, of course, the fans in football. When do we ever get a voice in these matters? It's, it's, it's probably going to happen. Uh, it'll be a spectacle. But you watch, and I think Rai alluded to it. I can't see any of the teams taking full strength squads to something like this because it's just too risky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dad, I agree. It's, it's crazy, mate. It, it, it's just it, another money making scheme, isn't it? Really, it, it is for me. That's exactly how I see it. Um, I, what I can't understand is how the clubs would sign off to this, because, um, like you said in the intro, Steve, you know, where's the time off? Where's the yeah. where? Where's the resting the players? Where's the you know taking some stock? Where's the um, you know, taking that time that clubs do need, that downtime for players to to to, to you know um, enjoy themselves, you know, refresh themselves, and then come back ready for the new season. You know, we've seen it before when you know having the World Cup um, in the winter last year. Uh, you know the effects that it can have um, on injuries. Uh, you know, players not resting properly. Uh, I, I know. I mean, you mentioned it as well. <laughs> you know, these people have played a, a lot of money, um, but I, what I don't get is how the clubs would see this. You know, whether and particularly the big clubs who who, who don't need the money, they don't need the money, do they? Uh, for this, no, and they don't you know. need the exposure either. No, no. no. So no. you know, um, no, I'm. I'm and that's the thing. They don't need it. They, they can do it with it as, as, and count it as pre-season training potentially for some of those youngsters and stuff like that. But you yeah. can't tell me that the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, uh, you know, for Man City, the likes of, you know, Chelsea taking, you know, Chelsea have got, you know, three squads there though, so they'll be fine. But it's just, you know, it's just silly. But as I said, it's beneficial for the youngers, the the, the, the teams that don't need it, eh? But you're absolutely right, Daz. I completely agree. But, but that's what it's going to become. It's going to become a, 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 a B team tournament isn't yeah, it it's going yeah. to become a youth yeah, cup um, yeah yeah you know exactly and we already have them <laughs> yes you know yeah, what we I mean? like, yeah. we've got under 21s yeah yeah exactly yeah no it's silly it's, it's silly dad, who, I'm who, sure who I won't we? get into trouble for saying this my dad used to use the expression all fur coat and no knickers and that's that's what it pretty much alludes to it's just yeah. a load of pomp unnecessary in unnecessary yeah. games just for the sake of money yeah. making but you know yeah. Going to change and what happens when it's a World Cup as well? Do you know what I mean? Okay, so maybe they go ahead with it. What happens when it's a World Cup year? Do you know what I mean? What happens when a World Cup falls in, in you know, in, in around there? Do you know what I mean? Now, maybe they don't fall in the same year. But what if it's a World Cup year? So say they do the, you know, you have this, you know, this Champions Club, whatever it's called, you know, in 2025, then 2026, the lads have to go and play World Cup. That means there's two years straight of football that they don't get a break from. Because well, you know, if you're, we've got the Euros you're, next year, in 2024 next yeah, year, I mean, so that so that's then the 14th of June to the 14th of July, and then the following well, season, go. those the following season, those in 2025, that cup that competition is taking place. So some of the top players yeah. won't get a summer off, and then the following years the World. There cup. you go, and then you go World Cup. So it's three years in a row with no summer break for them at all. For the guys that play in Europe, you know what I mean? It's it's ridiculous. So yeah. it's too much. It's too much. 
We're talking about loyalty before as well, and and and, and this this story's been circulating, lads, uh, around my club Newcastle for the last few weeks now, and it's about Dan Ashworth. He hasn't been in the job, um, you know, for 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 twelve months yet, and he's he's already been linked with a move to Manchester United. Um, now Ashworth, as we know, has done very well at Brighton. Did very well at the FA, you know. You know he's credited for England's progress and and, and Southgate's progress, um, but came into Newcastle as sporting director um, at the end of the 21-22 season, and you know in his first season he sees Newcastle, you know, get to the Champions League, get to the Carabao Cup final. But this story is circulating. He's been linked with a move to our rivals, Manchester United. Now a lot of this seems to. It seems to circulate around the potential of the takeover or investment by Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Um, and, and this is where this story seems to have come from. And it's Manchester Evening News who've run with the story. Um, and they've said that the incoming minority owners, the Ineos Group, um, see Dan Ashworth as the prime choice for a director's role at Old Trafford. Now, it's a lot of speculation. It's a lot of it's a lot of story that's flying around Manchester. Clearly, uh, they they obviously want to take something that Newcastle United have have, have have got, which which is doing well for us. I mean, I don't think this will happen. I've got to be perfectly honest. I don't think that Dan Ashworth is going to, you know, take the money and run if you like, because the only thing that would prize him away from Newcastle I would say is money but then I think he, I think his reputation would be would be sullied and tarnished look at how we've been speaking about Beale this morning yeah. and about mm. loyalty um, I genuinely can't see Dan Ashworth you know taking leave of his position at Newcastle after less than 12 months but, but, I mean what, what do you think about this Ray it's a, it's a weird story for me like yeah, it is a weird story, and you're absolutely right. I think it's just about looking over, at, you know, across other people's backyards, isn't it, and wanting what they want. I mean, Man United, are, you know, you're battling for that spot, aren't you, For in roundabouts, and Newcastle are doing it very well. You know, if you've appointed Eddie Howe, you've recruited well, and he, they've obviously outlined that that's Dan Andrews, uh, sorry, Dan Ashworth that is doing that. So they want that man. And now, you know, I guess that's the thing with success in certain clubs is, is when you do get successful, I guess more people take notice. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people took notice when, you know, Newcastle rocked up and beat PSG for, you know, for at, at home. So it, it's 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 looking into them now and going, this is, you know, we want what they've got. And I think you're absolutely right. I think it's uh, obviously with their potential takeover, whatever it may be, uh, if it is going to happen with Man United, they're going to want to, you know, rebuild and, and, and get the Man United back of old. And they obviously think that starts with the director of football, from Newcastle. I mean, at the moment, I, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, trying not to big head Newcastle as much as I can, but they're probably one of the teams that are actually doing it correctly at the moment. Not many other teams are getting it right. Uh, you know, you got Liverpool have been up, stayed up there and about, Arsenal as well, but they're two big clubs. When Newcastle have sort of came, and obviously the takeover has changed them, you know, significantly, don't get me wrong, but they've also put the right people in the right positions for that club to be successful. We look at Chelsea. Money doesn't buy success. The right people bring success. Eddie Howe's, Tyndall's, you know, the good quality players, the good team, you know, camaraderie. That's what builds a good club and a good has success. Now, if you're putting that to one man, then of course Man United are going to want to take him. So it, it's crazy for me. And I think you're absolutely right. It's a thing of loyalty for me, whether he feels loyal or whether he feels, you know, money's, you know, it, it, what Ted said to me earlier, put it on the proposition that, you know, if someone was to come in and offer me 250 grand, then of course it's going to be hard to turn down because... You know, I've got a family and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. So if 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 you know if they offer him, you know, the world, you know what I mean. So 
if they offer him the world, I, 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 I don't know what they could offer him, but I, I, I agree that he's got a better job and a better sense of uh, accomplishment at Newcastle. Uh, but, we, you know, there's been plenty of people before that have had that and, and still left. So, yeah, it's interesting one for me that Man United have done that. And I don't know if that's ever come from him, anyone in the club, though. Ted, do you reckon? What do you reckon? I, I think the biggest story here, lads, is is the fact that Manchester United have completely lost their way. And now they are, they're almost looking to every other club around them thinking, well, what are they doing right? What are they doing right? It's, it's like... It's it's the dopey kid in the exam looking around trying to copy off off the more clever kids, and yeah. that that's that's how far Man United have sunk now. They've tried throwing money at the situation. They've, you know the, the the academy is almost you, you just don't see players coming through in the same way you used to now. They they're buying young players rather than developing them, which is tragic if you're a Man United fan. I'm I'm sure of that. I'm sure Melly would be absolutely going nuts about the way that's gone. Um, but they're now looking to those teams around them, and and literally trying to almost carbon copy. It's a bit like bit like England in 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 the in national football sense that we've looked at the France model, we've looked at the Germany model, and we've just forgotten how to do it ourselves. And Man United are going through that, and so yeah, they're, they're going to try and throw money at the situation. They're going to try and tempt Dan Ashworth away. But as Rise just rightly pointed out there. Newcastle, it pains me to say this deep down in my dark soul that mm, Newcastle are a team on the up and, and, and Man yep. United are a team on the down and, and right now it wouldn't make career knowledge, they might offer him a few more quid but it wouldn't make career sense rather for him to jump and, and, and go and do that so he's, he's much better off staying where he is yeah, I mean, no, this I does. This is a story which obviously is generated by the the Manchester Evening News. That's where it yeah, came from. Yeah. Uh, other papers, Daily Mirror. I, I had a I had a, a route around last night. Dan Marsh at the Daily Mirror, um, you know, then took it the next stage and said that Bournemouth transfer chief Richard Hughes is at the top of Newcastle shortlist to replace Dan Ashworth. I mean, that's the problem with stories like this in the media. There's a knock on effect, you know, mm. and and because it gains traction in in the old days. It was all about going out and buying a newspaper and your know, newspaper sales. Well, you know, going and buying a newspaper now is not what many people do. It, it's a dying industry. Now it's all about clicks. So, is do you think this is just a classic click story, and which is which has gained a little bit of momentum, and that because we've not heard anything from Dan Ashworth uh, or Newcastle United on this, then it's a it's a non-starter. Yeah, I think so. I think this is just um, paper trouble. Um, like you said, you know, somebody. Uh, looking for some clicks looking for some column inches uh, out yeah. there um, you know why would Dan Ashworth go to a club uh, well we've had a message in actually uh, 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 Dan um no, Kenny. Sorry, it's Kenny. It's Dan Ashworth. No, no, it's not. Uh, Kenny, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, who's a Newcastle fan, has uh, sent us a WhatsApp, and uh, and I agree with him. Why would Dan Ashworth go to a club in complete turmoil? Uh, yeah. You know, it's it, it's it's bizarre. It's a bizarre thing, and and yeah, I know money talks, um, and you know, but. Um, how much money did the people behind your team got, Steve? Yeah. You know, um, yeah, exactly, yeah. you know, uh, New, Newcastle. Uh, you know, and, and Kenny said it himself. Um, Dan Ashworth knows the ambition of Newcastle have to be the best of the elite. You know, Newcastle have got all the ambition. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, th I think this is some trouble causing somewhere along the line uh, to generate some clicks, um, and I think it'll it'll disappear as as, as quickly as it's. Uh, as, as it's come out. 
It's not the first time he's been linked with Manchester United, of course. I mean, he was shortlisted, allegedly, in August 2018 uh, by Manchester United as a candidate for technical director. Right. Um, but, you know, when you look at his CV, he does he does tend to go to somewhere and stay there until the job's done. And the interviews that I've seen with Dan Ashworth about his position at Newcastle have all been very positive. And, you know, mm. he, has a, he has a game plan and he's looking forward to progressing. I think as well, you know, that that in interviews he's you know he's maybe been asked a question about you know Manchester United etc. And he's probably commented, I wouldn't be surprised to see stuff come out about you know that and tied to this story, which is the way that things get you know exaggerated and and, and blown out of proportion. But yeah, it's interesting to hear your points, lads, and I just I just can't see it happening. I think he's got a job to do at Newcastle United. He's doing it very well at the moment, and I just yes. I just can't see I just can't see him going to a, a sinking ship. Which which, which essentially is what is what they are. What do you think his end goal is, though, Steve? In, in terms of what, what do you think for someone in his position, uh, when you obviously you're not a player, you're not a coach, it yeah. is, does he feel com- he's accomplished when Newcastle have got a trophy? I think yeah, I think it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. Mm. I think what he, he will have been given a remit by the owners when he went in, yeah. um, and you know it, the the remit from the owners has always been very clear that yes. They have money. Yes, they can buy in players, uh, but because of the strict financial fair play guidelines, Newcastle have a, have to do it in a particular way because of the lack of commercial revenue in the fourteen years previous to the takeover. So, from their position, they also have to improve the academy and bring in young players that they can hopefully develop to either progress to the first team or to become good enough to be able to sell on for a profit to generate more revenue to, to help your financial mm. fair play. So that's his job. And, you know, at Brighton, that's what he did. He he started, well, he created a conveyor belt at Brighton. Um, yeah. there, there was already good work being done at Brighton. But Dan Ashworth went in, finely tuned it, perfected it, and then look at the end results. Look at the players. Yeah particularly that they've sold to Chelsea where the, the money yeah, that huge. they've made on youngsters so Dan Ashworth was the man who behind that you know and again um you know he's he's a very intelligent guy um you know he's he, he, you know he he, he 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 did a what they called I remember it was like a, a manifesto I think he did when he was in England and I mean you know words like that are impressive but what does it mean if it if it's if it's not got a a beginning a middle and an end and and then we see something you know as far as the team's concerned but we've seen that with England England with the exception of 66 and and you know 1990 under Sir Bobby and and 96 with Terry Venables you know it's been without winning a trophy our most successful time as a, as a national team with Gareth Southgate we got to a semi we got to a final we didn't win we didn't win the final but you know we've qualified as we always do for, for the Euros uh, but we've done quite well in the World Cup as well so for, from my perspective Dan Ashworth's involvement behind the scenes and all that was 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 something which 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 gained us you know has gained us some plaudits on the world stage and, and improved our world ranking as a as an international team. So the guy's got a great CV and I can see why why Manchester United would be interested in him. But you know ultimately he's got a job to do at Newcastle. I think there's likely as far as Dan Ashworth's concerned, and I just don't see him leaving Newcastle until he wins a trophy. So, Rye, I think you're right. I think Newcastle winning a trophy, and until he's established that conveyor belt of talent, I don't, I don't see him leaving at all. You know. Mm, interesting. It's good to know. Good to know. Okay. Well, yes. we we've got uh, two big games tonight. Um, wow. We I think we need some predictions. Yeah, we do. 
Yeah, we, we do. do. Make some predictions, yes. Okay, right. Where are you Let's going? Let's start with off with the, the smoggies. Let's start off. Yeah. I reckon, I reckon for the borough, we're going for a 3-1 victory. Uh, I think it's obviously going to be a cagey affair in the first 20 minutes or so, but then Burrow will find their feet and be able to just really stamp their authority. I'm looking to Sammy Silvera, Morgan Rogers to have big games, Tommy Glover in goal as well. Uh, and I'm very excited. I'll be watching it at work. There'll be no live watch along from me. I'm very, very sorry because uh, I do have to work and earn a living. But uh, I love each and every one of you and I'll be as loud as ever as I can at work. Uh, I'll, no work will be getting done as well. That's to my boss. Uh, good luck in the morning. Uh, and I'll be, yeah, I'll be cheering them on for a 3-1 victory. Over to Newcastle. Oh, it's going to be a great game to see. Uh, and I will be keeping a close eye on it. I think Newcastle can get the job done. The only thing I think is maybe being at Chelsea, it might be a little bit trickier than thought but i'm going for a 2-1 victory to newcastle in that one mm, okay well i am going for a doubler uh, as well i think newcastle united will win tonight i i am going to go for a 2-1 win for newcastle um with middlesbrough I, i'm very confident i think michael carrick boys will do it i think it's going to be a 2-0 win for borough so a double win and then let's hope that uh, oh. draw each other oh. in, in the semi. Oh. That would be fantastic. Bring it on. I would yes. love it. I would love it if we got that. Ted. <laughs> well, sorry, it's not going to happen because Vale make Borough go stale and make Rye Whale, then they'll play the Geordies and drink brown ale. I think both <laughs> Vale will. All morning he's been working on that. <laughs> no, I've literally just written it down now. Yeah. So it, made, it made me laugh off air. He even muted me, Mike, because I was sniggering at myself, which is, which is actually pathetic. Really. But there you go. Um, <laughs> Get all so, yes, feel um, out of here. I, I honestly, I honestly think Vale are going to do Burrow tonight. Oh. I, I think it's going to be two one Port Vale. More out of hope than expectation. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to see Port Vale. I love an underdog story, and I think Vale will will prevail. Whoa, it was still rhyming. Oh, two one Port Vale, and I think I think the Geordies will just have too much uh, for Chelsea. And I'm also going two one for the Geordies to win there. Come on, Daz. Uh, well, I'm I'm going two nil both games. I think uh, Borough will have will have too much for Vale. Um, yeah, we will, absolutely. Daz. Thank you. And I, Next and time, I, cut Ted off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think the Geordies, uh, I think they'll have too much for Chelsea as well. So, yeah, I'm Love going two, two, two nils. Let's hope we're right, lads. Let's hope we're right. And let's hope it's a positive show tomorrow morning. Tell you what. That's, uh, well, that's I'm, not call, wrap, I'm not coming in tomorrow if we're both left. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, there'll be, there'll, be lots, uh, there'll be lots to talk about tomorrow morning. Is, uh, on, on Ted with us tomorrow or not? Or is it, are you, are yes, you uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with us tomorrow. I'm, I'm off Thursday or Friday. That was uh, the, yeah. the other job calls. But uh, yes, I've got yeah. uh, I've got your Christmas present all sorted for tomorrow, lads. Ooh. Yeah, i got your winning present tomorrow as well. Very exciting. Whoop, whoop. Can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good show this morning, Daz. Thank you. Yeah, coming up on the show, we've got all the usual nonsense. Uh, button pressing. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we've got uh, the quiz that is sweeping the floor of the nation um, in name that theme. Uh, we've also got a Christmassy chat degree as well, so that people can get in touch and, and bring a few smiles across the northeast uh, this morning, as well as all the usual gubbins. You know, the usual nonsense. We'll do all that uh, this morning. Um, and Davey Ladd will be back tomorrow morning on the across the northeast footy brecky uh, right here on the cat, the tune, and the red. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I'm I'm going for a positive morning tomorrow morning. I think uh, I, so. yes. I think there'll be lots of smiles and uh, uh, lots of uh, rubbing Ted's face in it. Um, yes, <laughs> we love that. Is what the fact back tomorrow? By the way, uh, no, because it's rise short. All right, all right. Have you got anything uh, special planned for that? I've got a, I oh, do. Actually, I've got a few. I've got a few special special it. things. 
Yep. We should have a few things lined up tomorrow because you've got a chance to level yeah. things up. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let I'll let that slide in. I'll talk to you. We'll get in that WhatsApp. We'll come up with some That's grand scheme. Okay. Don't you worry about that. Yep. <laughs> well, have a wonderful uh, day, guys. The uh, podcast will be available in a couple of hours. You can get all from you, every podcast provider, uh, and the repeat will be back again between four and six across the network. Uh, have a lovely, lovely. Uh, I was going to say Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Is it Tuesday? Where, where are we? Tuesday. Tuesday. Have a lovely Tuesday, guys. <laughs> From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across.